Good afternoon, Fight fans. My name is Clifford Miller, and I am also known as the Red Dog. With me, as always, is Anthony Lou Lujan, and you are listening to Get the KO. Anthony, give a quick shout-out, man. What is going on, party people? How is everybody's weekend going? Man, you know, it's been amazing. We're doing a special show today. Um, Anthony is still in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's actually where he's at right now. But for my part, I'm actually in Worcester, Massachusetts. So give a big shout-out to Boston, man. That's what I love. I love being up here. It's a great place. Um, the family and I decided it was going to be time to do a vacation before our little one decided it was time to go to school. So we decided to come up here and say what's up. And uh, just been hanging out here for the last few days. Uh, previously, actually, if you guys uh, in the Baltimore area were listening to WNST, 1570 AM, uh, I was out there just you know, giving a quick shout-out to, to Massachusetts as well. So it's definitely a lot of fun, man. It's definitely cool to be in a different area and kind of record in a whole different setting. So, you know, so today, guys, what we're going to talk about the UFC fight night. We will also touch on the John Jones situation, give an update to that. We're also going to talk about one of our favorite uh, fighters slash wrestlers, uh, Ben Askren, who's out of Missouri. And then uh, then we're going to touch on UFC 215. And then, you know, Anthony and I got a special little quick shout out that we want to also give out at the end of the fight, uh, at the end of the broadcast. So let's get into it, man. UFC Fight Night last night over in um in uh shit, what was it again? Uh, it's in Rotom, uh in Rotom, the Netherlands. Uh we have Volkov versus Struve, which was the tallest fight in UFC history. Let's break down this fight card a little bit, man. So some of you guys you guys didn't happen to get to see there's some great knockouts. Anthony, you wanna talk about talk about the knockout? Which one are you talking about, man? So we're going to talk about uh, uh, Taze, Taze Muoff versus Felipe Silva. Uh, One-punch knockout. Uh, I did great not finish. That. Say that again? I did not get to watch that fight. So uh, Taze Muoff was uh, moving over, and I'm sorry. I know I'm slaughtering your name, but uh, Felipe wasn't paying attention. And, uh, you know, he came in off a, off a hurry and off a counterpunch. Uh, uh, Taze Muoff. Landed this nice punch uh, and instantly knocked out the guy. It was in the first round, uh, one one twenty four, uh, as it was being reported. It was it was too smooth. I was like, this is definitely going into one of my favorite knockouts of uh, not just of the year, but possibly of all time because Felipe was just rushing into the rushing in and Mark Beck, uh, Marbeck just landed flush and just ended my guy's night. It was it was a great knockout. It was on the undercard fight, so. For those of you guys who have the UFC Fight Pass, you guys definitely would have been able to watch it there. Interesting enough, man, uh, the fights, we had uh, one, two, three, four, five TKOs, two K, uh, one KO, and uh, two submission victories. So we had eight finishes in a fight, which was, you know, it's pretty cool to see that we're getting more finishes. And even though this wasn't a high-praised fight, uh, it was definitely one to to watch. Uh, so when we stop into it, man, Leon Edwards versus uh, Brian Bar uh, Barbrena. Uh, that was the decision fight. It went all three rounds, five you know five minute rounds. Uh, decision 29-28, 29-28, 29-28, all for the winner of Leon Edwards. Definitely kind of a um, slow methodical fight, but it was definitely one that you guys definitely should be checking out. Uh, next up we have uh, Renua versus uh, Talita. And that was the women's. We had a knockout with uh, six seconds left in the fight. It was definitely uh, definitely a good, good uh, mix. 
Uh, our boy Sayer, man, coming out with the TKO victory over Rob Wilkinson. Uh, Sayer is out of Maryland. That's kind of why I said that. Uh, TKO punches, second round, 310. And then finally, we had a third round TKO. And unfortunately for Stefan, who I ended up choosing for that fight, he didn't come out victorious against Volkov. It was a knockout with uh, in three minutes and 30 seconds in the third round. So some big name fights, um, but definitely... This could have been a fight where Stefan Struve would have shown up, and if he got the victory, we definitely would have probably looked at him into title contentions. But, you know, him getting knocked out by uh, Volkov does not set well with uh, his chances of likely getting into that title shot, especially even especially knowing that he had a victory over Stipe and Mikovic. But yep. we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, definitely. I uh, Stefan Struve coming out, he... Uh, he, he Threw 162 total strikes, landing 41 of them. Um, Alexander Volkov landing 144 of 264 total strikes. Um, Volkov uh, coming from Bellator uh, is now 3-0 and in the UFC with wins over Roy Nelson, uh, Tim Johnson, and now Stefan Struve. Uh, last time he's actually lost was Bellator 139, which was in June of 2015 against Czech Congo. Um, I actually am excited to see what this kid is going to do in the UFC. I, have, I've, I watched a uh, documentary of his training of what they do in Russia, and uh, crazy enough, dude. I just that I think this Alexander Volkov can definitely be a force to be. Uh, uh, a force in the UFC, and I'm excited to see what Dana White's going to do with this kid. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. You know, the one thing I've been talking about lately, and we're going to kind of sidetrack a little bit, um, we mentioned this a few weeks ago on a, on a previous episode where we talked about where are all the good heels, right? Like, where's all the bad guys that we want to see? Those guys that we, we cheer for in hopes that they lose, right? And so John Jones was a, best, was a big name that we kind of brought up, you know, at one time, Chris Lieben, Josh Koscheck, like all these former dudes who were in there just talking trash, making people feel unwelcomed, you know, like he didn't really care about them. You know, we had guys who, you know, called out an entire country of Canada. You know, we don't have those bad guys anymore, and I think that's kind of what's being lackluster in the UFC, right? So people pay attention to Connor because Connor speaks his mind, lets people know what he's thinking, blah, 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 says this, that, and the other, calls out this person, says you're welcome for the payday. But we don't see enough bad guys in the UFC. And it's funny because, like, all these fighters, granted, they're all about being very respectful to each other and they understand they're getting into a fight, but I need more trash talk. You know what I mean? Yep, I definitely understand. There's not as much trash talk in the UFC as there used to be. There's not as... Uh the the personal beef that that usually normally have happens. I mean, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz is a good one that that you were talking about uh, with their beef, and it's still going on. Nate Diaz saying that now he wants twenty or thirty mil to do the trilogy after what Conor just did, and uh, you just don't have that. I mean, you have the you have John Jones in DC, the, their little shenanigans, and uh, and really other than that, you don't have anybody else talking there's no real villain in the UFC anymore no there really isn't and that's the that's the situation that we're running into is that like who does the UFC market next to right so 
they marketed Ronda Rousey really hard. She was out there talking a lot of trash. She let people know, you know, she'd call out a fighter because they were undefeated and she wants to take that zero from them and, and give them a one. And she would call out every single fighter. It didn't matter who it was. Misha Tate. Misha Tate was a great heel, too. You know, she was talking trash about Ronda's mom, Beth Correa, Chris Cyborg. All these people were, like, talking trash, and Ronda was giving it back. And we were all watching because we wanted to watch Ronda do her thing. And now, all of a sudden, we're looking back, and we're like, so who's going to be that person? Who's going to step up and talk that trash? Amanda Nunes. She hasn't, she hasn't shown up, hasn't done it. Johan is not one person who really does it a lot. She's more of a peaceful person. Holly Holmes is another person that's very peaceful. You know, I want to see that bad guy who is like, you know what? I will take on all of this heat. I do not care. You can call me out what you want. You can call me out on Facebook. You can call me on Twitter. You can call me out on Snapchat. It doesn't matter what it is. Call me out. Talk trash to me and just let it be known. And, and I think that's what the UFC really needs. Like, it would be great to see Cain Velasquez come back and just be like, you know what? All these people, they're all cheering for other fighters, and I don't really care about them. I'm just going to go out and knock out their favorite guy, whether that's a Derek Lewis, or, you know, if Roy Nelson was ever to get back in the UFC, even though we know he's in Bellator now. Uh, Stipe, it doesn't matter who it is. I want to see Cain Velasquez be that guy who calls out other fighters. Yep, I definitely I agree with you. I uh, we don't we don't have it and we need it. I think the UFC is, needs to bring needs to have somebody and Conor McGregor is a dude that is doing it now. I mean, even even with rumors spreading and we don't know what's going to happen, Brock Lesnar used to be the guy. Brock Lesnar used to the guy to just run his mouth and then go out there and just pound somebody. And we just don't have that. I would love to see John Jones with his situation, and we'll touch on, on that here in a little bit, um, maybe John Jones would be the guy like, yeah, I came back. Yeah, I uh, I knocked out DC for the second time and this and that. I We don't have that that guy that's mouthy in the UFC that, and then goes out and does it anymore. It's a very peaceful time in the UFC, it seems like. And it's hard to yeah. say in a combative sport like that. No, definitely, I agree, man. It's just, it's tough because it's like, you want to see, like like you said, you know, you want to see those guys out there and talking trash, and, you know, you brought Nate Diaz and Connor's great rivalry that's going on, and even though, and, I mean, let's be real, I, I was kind of laughing when he said that he wanted 20 to 30 mil for the, the trilogy fight, especially after what Connor did, but I was like, How's a guy worth 20 to 30 mil if he hasn't made 20 to 30 mil yet? It was essentially, my point essentially is what Mayweather brought up, right? Mayweather said the same thing about Connor. He said, how's Connor thinking that he's worth 25, 25 million if you haven't made 25 mil yet? He hasn't done it. And so he was willing to give him 12 for their boxing matchup. And essentially, we saw Connor make 30 and then 30 plus. Like, you know, I think his, his number's closer to 100, 100 million now. And so... Diaz has to get into a fight where it's a high-priced fight, and this could essentially be the start of it, right, where Conor comes back and Conor makes $50 million in his UFC fight, and then, yeah, Nate Diaz gets $30 mil out of the fight. Or, you know, you're going to start seeing you, It could be the start of where big-name fighters will start fighting for big-name money, but we need to make sure that these guys who are fighting for the big-name money are bringing the, bringing the pay-per-view, view, pay-per-view buys. And by that start, you need to be one of those guys who says, all right, well, I'm going to be the bad guy and take the heel in this one, and I'll burn everybody. I don't really care. We, I just want to count my money. And we're not, we're not seeing that anymore, and it's not going to happen. And I just think this peaceful time that we're having right now is just 
it's ridiculous. And it, it, I'm glad it's there, right? Because in a sense, we see that everybody respects everybody, but I want to see that next level up. Yeah, I totally agree with you in that um, I do want to see something happen. And maybe when Connor comes back to the cage, which he said he's going to, hopefully we get that back. We get that little trash talk. It's been since, what, November of last year since he came, since he fought, and him and Nate were going at it, throwing water bottles and pop cans and whatnot at each other. I mean, you had it with John Jones in D.C., but it just seemed like, what we thought was going to be with John Jones in D.C. and the trash talk, the the media, the Dana White, and everybody kind of just pushed them away from each other, and it wasn't a great trash-talking lead-up to their fight. No, you know what's funny is when we see a Conor McGregor come back, you know, it's been rumored that he's going to be fighting Kahib. Like, I think that's a wasted fight. I think it's a wasted opportunity. Kahib has trouble making weight. I don't think he's the guy that should be the guy that talks. He doesn't talk a lot of smack anyway. He he says, like, maybe three or four good lines, and that's it. I think the next person you put against Conor McGregor is a Max Holloway. And you may and you ask Max Holloway if he wants to go up to 155 to fight Conor. And at that time, now you're going to see, like, a real, like, sparring battle of not just words or not just a fist, but of words, like a mental battle because Max is going to back down. He's very prideful. He's going to stand up. He's going to talk his piece. And then you have Connor, who's very prideful, who's not going to back down, who's going to talk his piece. And these two guys are going to butt heads like crazy. And the first time they fight, yeah, you know, McGregor won that fight. But there's been a lot of things that have changed, especially for Max Holloway, that would I think would show that, you know, Max is ready to take on this fight. And I end up thinking that you, you start seeing the same situation that happened with Connor, where let's say Max Holloway fights, or not Conor, but Max Holloway fights Conor McGregor would essentially be like Max Holloway fighting Jose Aldo, right? And I say that in the sense that Jose, like, was coming out being very dominant for three rounds, and then he just tuckered out, and then, you know, all of a sudden you saw Max Holloway take over the fight. He just knew he just had to stay in long enough. And I think it's the same thing you're going to see if that fight ever happened again, right? Max Holloway versus uh, McGregor where McGregor, he would, eventually, he would just start tiring out the second or third round, and you'll see Max Holloway take over that fight. And I just think that if we saw these two dudes who were just openly talking trash about each other go into this octagon together, we're going to have huge explosions. Yep, I agree with you. And actually, it would be so much fun to watch, like, the island of Hawaii versus, like, Ireland, like, kind of sparred off. I just think that those two mix of cultures, like, talking trash to each other would be so much fun to see as well. Yep, both of them, both the island of Hawaii has that that that, that pride, that never-back-down pride. And, of course, Connor always brings his his whole country. It seems like everybody everybody all of a sudden is Irish, and it, the, 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 the stadiums are packed for Connor. And so it would be great to see that matchup. Oh, yeah. So let's go. Let's move on, man. Another big story that we want to talk about tonight, man, uh, is an update on John Jones. For some of you guys who haven't, who was wasn't aware, uh, John Jones, the night after the UFC two fifth was it two fourteen, he um, took a blood test and was flagged for using Turnbull, uh, ter- ter- which essentially is kind of like a, a steroid that was developed back in the six, uh, you know, nineteen sixties for East Germany. Uh, he popped positive in his uh, urine sample, and now 
we're starting to see some more reports come out where uh, John Jones passed uh, a USADA blood test the night of UFC 214. So it's kind of interesting that he would pass a blood test the night of the fight, and then the next day he would fail, like, a urine test. And a spokesperson for uh, the USADA came out and said that uh, given that Mr. Jones' agent has publicly commented on the case, we can confirm that Mr. Jones provided a urine and blood sample on July 6th in addition to a, a sample on July 7th, which all reported negative. On July 28th, his urine sample tested positive for turnable, as confirmed previously, and then after the fight, he provided a blood sample that was reported negative. So it's kind of funny to see that, you know, he... Even though they don't use, they don't test the same things in the blood and urine samples. That suddenly, like this, is something that would be that would pop positive, right? And it kind of smells a little bit like collusion. And I don't want to say that Usada's not doing the right job or doing a good job. They could be very well being very biased in this or unbiased in this, but I don't see that. I think something's going on with this that's making it stand out even worse. What is your thoughts on this, man? Um, just. Reading this, it was uh, different. It was uh, John Jones getting tested, blood tested right after the fight. Literally right after the fight, he got blood tested. And then the very next morning, literally he wakes up, gets a call, says, hey, come take this drug test. And pops positive for this drug and... uh. So it does sound like collusion. It does sound like something had to be tampered. Like, how do you go from being clean right after the fight to the very next morning you not being clean? And I, I, I don't want to say it's the, the USADA is the one that's doing it, but it's starting to feel like boxing. Something's starting to get dirty again. And we both know boxing is a dirty sport and it's scary to see. I last week said John Jones needs to leave the UFC. Stay away. I have to retract that statement now and say that uh and say that I can't fully say anything until this thing gets settled out and we figure out what's going on. You know, it's funny because like John Jones is currently waiting on like the results of his B sample, which they say could take several weeks, which is odd because you were able to call him and tell him that he felt his drug test only after a couple days for his A sample. So something definitely does seem kind of fishy in that sense. And it's like, what do you, like, if you're Jones, like, what do you do? Like, you not you haven't been stripped of the title yet, right? So we still kind of see you as the champion. Um, but situations where, like, Brock Lesnar, he got tested positive. We all knew Brock Lesnar was using steroids. If we watched the WWE at all, you knew he was using steroids. We all knew it, and, and even uh, Mark Hunt knew it, too. And when you waive, like, test dates or, and test periods for a fighter, you know. You already know that something fishy is going on with that. But where John Jones was coming in, he's clean, he's clean, he's clean, he's clean, he's clean, and then the night of the fight, he's clean, and then the day after, he passed positive. And they're trying to say that you know, they use different screens, which it could be. They definitely do. They use different screens for different different tests and to find different, you know, illegal substances where they use a urine test to find uh, the turnable. When they use blood tests, they use other things. 
that they complement each other. They don't really, one doesn't set off the other, which I find interesting because Turnbull you would find in the bloodstream. Like if you used, if you were using steroids, you would see that in the bloodstream. Whereas if you're, you know, using weed, obviously you're checking into the urine sample and hair sample for that. But it's just, to me, it's kind of odd that you wouldn't, you would screen the urine sample and then you wouldn't go back and screen the blood sample just to make sure that they didn't match or they matched. And in this case, they only used one, they didn't use the other. So it definitely seems kind of fishy that there's uh, some collusion that's kind of gone on. And with with John Jones, it, it, and you know what, it might be safe to say that John Jones may need to just leave the UFC, just leave the MMA world altogether, even if, you know, if they come back and say, hey, you know, we found out that there was a tamper or it was a, it was a false positive, you may want to just leave the UFC because they might be trying to trying to get you on the next fight. I I disagree with you. Uh, if if it comes out that his a a sample was tampered with and he was clean, I think that's a clean. He's still in that clean kind of a clean slate. I'm not saying that he's totally clean slate after that estrogen incident, but but you can you continuously get better and show the world that you have turned that new leaf. Like I said, like I said last week, we we thought that uh. We thought, or two weeks ago, when he won, when the, won the belt, he turned that new leaf after that estrogen incident. Came back to the UFC, took the title from DC, and then this happens. I I literally think that if you're John Jones and everything clears out and that a that a pause comes back and they're like, oh no, that was tampered with or whatever's going to happen. I think you continuously fight to show your word to show that the world that uh that you move past the bad moments of your life. Well, and I think I mean I can agree with you in that sense that yeah, maybe he goes back he fights a little bit and without point being said. Uh but I just think that you know, it's like if you're a big breadwinner and all of a sudden like you saw to pop you once, like they're going to come back and try to pop you and ruin your name so that they can essentially say that they were right. Like how do you go through Years and years and years and years of blood tests and urine tests and come back being negative. And then all of a sudden, like, USADA comes back and says, oh, hey, by the way, for the last seven years, you were, we said that you weren't negative, but we now know that you were positive for steroids. And I'm sorry, Lance, but we're going to take back all your yellow jackets. And we're going to strip you of all your all your wins. And so for the last seven titles that you won in a row, that's it. You're not winning anymore. And it's... It's tough because USADA, I don't know, I feel like USADA kind of picks and chooses who they want to see, like, be successful, and then they shut them down. And a few years out, like, it'll be, it'll be, it's a negative vibe. Like, I just don't agree with USADA all the time. You know, especially if you are okay with waving Brock Lesnar from the four, the four and two month period time periods, and now all of a you're going to come back and say, well, John Jones was a day after his fight, he was neg- he he popped positive. Or even, like, Anderson Silva, right? Anderson Silva, we've known to be a clean fighter, did, forgot to disclose that he was using Cialis, and uh, USADA banned him for a year for using Cialis. And then they turn around and ban, they try to ban uh, Nick Diaz for, what, five years? Like, just for using weed, like, smoking weed. Like, well, come on, man, like, pick and choose. Like, I get it, Nick, Nick Diaz is kind of a repeat offender because, obviously, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with smoking weed. But it just it's crazy to think that that would be something that you know, we have to look at, and we have to be like, come on, man, like, there's some things in here, like, you have to kind of give way to, right? So, like, obviously, we just saw the situation with uh, um, 
oh, Junior Santos, he popped positive for a PED. We don't even know what he popped positive for. We just know it was just some kind of performance-enhancing drug. Whereas John Jones, on the other hand, he's like, you did it the day after, and now you want to test his B sample and say it's going to take several weeks. But you're not going to... You're not gonna look over his blood samples to make sure that that's still good. So I don't know. I just I just think for John Jones, it might be good for him to be like, you know what? Like that was my last fight in the UFC. I know I'm clean. I know my word is good. I'm gonna move on to another another role. Uh, and I get that, and I understand. I understand where you come from. I just think that uh, that I I am I, I I'm a fighter. I I I fight for my name. I fight for everything that I do. I think that you continuously fight for everything that you want in life. And if it's wanting to be in the UFC, like, he could have, he easily could have retired and went to done something else after that estrogen incident, after the cocaine incident, after the accident incident. But it's evident that he wants to be in the UFC. And I think that uh, if you want to be in the UFC and you're clean and you're doing everything to the standards of the UFC's regulations, of, the, of USADA's regulations, you continuously do what makes you happy. And if it's fighting, continuously do it. I mean, I, I agree. I see that, too. That's a good point, though. Definitely a good point in that aspect that, you know, if the fighter if the fighter in you wants to continue fighting, then continue fighting. I just think for him, it may be his best bet to wait for the results. If the results came back and they were negative and it was a false positive test on his first sample, then I would just be like, you know what? I don't trust USADA. We need to go through different commissions and then just move out that way. Move your business. I just, well, then, yeah. I Become an activist in that. There, there, there's, there's other people out there. there there's, there's people that, 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 that push for stricter, strict, more strict uh, drug tests. You have, the, you have your little groups out there. Become an activist. Push something out. Push, make, make the UFC change the way they're doing it and get away from you, USADA. Get, go to someone else. And and start a start a trend. First it's John Jones, then it's Anderson Silva, then it's then it's the next champion and and talk to these people. Get these people to say, you know what, USADA's not good enough. Figure it out, UFC. Yep, no, I agree. All right, so you know, enough talking about, you know, a bad situation like that and we pray for the, we pray for John Jones and hope that he becomes you know, gets clear of everything and can can kinda of keep moving. One person that we need to move into, man, we gotta move into the man himself, Ooh. right? You know him, and I know him. Uh, we've been following this guy since he was a freshman in college. You know, we're talking about Ben Askren. So Ben is um, currently a fighter. He's fighting right now out of one, uh, one, one championships. Uh, he is right now. He's seventeen and zero. He's got five knockouts, five decisions, five, seven decisions. Um, He's very big in, like, his heel content, right? Like, he's been very vocal about the UFC and how he doesn't think the UFC is, is right because they pick and choose what fighters they don't want. They don't ask for the best fighters. Because let's be honest, Ben is one of the best fighters in the world. He currently ranks number seven uh, according to Fight Magazine, and he ranks number 10 as a welterweight by Sheridog. Uh So I don't know how you would not want to bring somebody like this, like a talent like him, into the UFC but you'll sign somebody who's never fought, like CM Punk. <laughs> uh, agreed. I definitely agree. Following, we've been following Ben Ashman since since he was at Missouri, wrestling at Missouri, and uh, now and I've seen him in fighting the Bellator. I've seen him uh, fight 
tournaments because he, he is also a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, he's 33 years old. Like you said, he's, he's 17 and 0. He does have one no contest, but, but he has wins over people like Douglas Lima and Jay Heron and Nick Thompson. Lyman Good is another one that he beat. I mean, he's a welterweight champion for a reason. I would love the UFC to get in. And, and yes, he runs his mouth. Yes, he talks bad. And maybe that's what you need, UFC. Maybe that's what you need. Bring him in there. Bring him in there and let him run his mouth. Let him fight people like Donald Cerrone or, or even Robbie Lawler. As a matter of fact, he's a wrestler. Put him against Damian Maya. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny because I'm looking over like some of the people that he's like trained with. You know, he's been training with a lot of legends. So Renzo Gracie, Greg Jackson, Rich Franklin, uh, Dan Henderson. You know, so there should be no reason why he he should be in the UFC and and fighting because you know Evolve Evolve MMA is is a huge huge team and they definitely have a lot of fun and you could definitely see that they're you know they're they're bad as they're bad to the bone especially if you have someone like a legend and um and Dan Henderson and you're training with him there should be no reason why you shouldn't have him in and I just I feel like the UFC is missing out with a name like him, because I feel like that's that guy who, you know, I remember his freshman, sophomore year, he got beat by, um, what's his face from Oklahoma State? Oh, I can't remember his name. It escapes me right now. But the next year, he walked in, he had a briefcase with him, and uh, he was in a suit, right? Nice looking suit. And they asked him, like, well, why is why are you here with the, um, why are you here with a briefcase? And he's like, I'm here to collect the hardware. Like, he knew he was going to win his junior and senior year. He just came in very, like, I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to take it. So, oh, Chris Pendleton, that's his name, from 2004, 2005. And then um, in 2006, 2007, like, he came back and was like, I'm going to win the hardware. I'm taking home the gold. Don't don't bother me. And he did. He just dominated people, like, just just beating people's feelings, hurting their feelings, while he just earned both their titles. And uh, then, you know, he went to Olympic wrestling where, you know, he won and lost matches. He wasn't as, as strong on the international scene. But now looking at him in the mixed martial arts world, like, I feel like he just evolved very well into it, you know, especially catching a couple of knockouts. You know, he was uh, fighting out of Columbia for a little while, Columbia, Missouri. And then, uh, you know, took the world by storm, man, and fighting out of the Bell Tours, getting the one championship. You know, he just won his last fight by... Uh, Unanimous decision. I think, you know, definitely at 33, 33 years old, I think he's definitely more than should be welcomed into the UFC. I definitely agree with you. And and with with his mixed martial arts, I mean, never really he he's dominated fights left and right. And it's it's scary how good he is. And I do want to see him continuously get better. As he's getting older, he's also getting better. And the UFC is missing out on a talent that could bring you definitely bring you revenue. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's a huge following for him, especially from like the Bellator side, and then One FC. There's definitely huge, huge fights um, people that he could bring in. You know, he's been all over the world: Singapore, China, the Philippines, you know, Dubai. Uh, you know, of course, here in the U.S., Canada. You know, just to name a couple of places that he's been to. And he's won, and he's done very well for himself. And like I said, you know, I know Ben, he's got a mouth. He's definitely called it Dana. So Dana's, you know, not the best promoter out there. And, you know, in a sense, he's kind of right. But I think I think as he gets, as he 
as he ages, you know, the UFC is missing out on an opportunity to get a big-name talent like him. Especially if you're going to go after someone, he trains with CM Punk. Like, Ben Askren is right there in in the same weight class, and you mean to tell me that CM Punk is going to be getting a fight who's 0-0, zero and 0-1 zero, well, zero now, never, never fought a day in his life, and you're going to take CM Punk over Ben Askren. And Ben Askren has all the potential to be a, a UFC champion. Like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You, like you said, you give somebody that that's never fought some, not never fought a day in his life, never, never, uh, never done, got into the sport. Always wanted to do it. He was an entertainer at the WWE, and everything with 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 Phil, CM Punk, Brooks. Um, but you don't give a chance to a guy who has not only ran his mouth. And also proven himself as he's doing it, but he also shows that he has a big fan base. So like, how do you not give this guy a chance? You know, what's interesting to see, right? Is that um, so? I'm looking at the champions, right, at the welterweight class, and it depends on which 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 one you look at, right? So the UFC's welterweight division is 156 to 170. Uh, Shoto's is uh, 145 to 155, so obviously they're pretty light. One championship is 171 to 185, and then Road FC um, is uh, 170, right? So just listen to this past champions, right? So the UFC's champion right now is obviously Tyrone Woodley, the chosen one. Uh, Bellator is Douglas Lima. World Series of Fighting is John Finch. Obviously one championship is Ben Askren. And then KSW is Boris uh, Makovic, right? But Ben has beaten Douglas Lima, who is currently their Bellator champion. So Ben has won that championship, and if I was if I was a, a betting person, I'm pretty sure he's going toe to toe with Tyrone Woodley and probably beating him. Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, Tyrone Tyrone Woodley's ground game is good, definitely good, and his strike game phenomenal. But I think. But and but and, but but Tyrone Ridley also showed the world when he dominated Damian Maya's uh, zero for twenty one, I believe, on takedowns. Um, I think Ben Askren is a different story. I think uh, Ben Askren's going to get in there and hit him a couple times, and that's going to open that up to uh, for that takedown and then grind him and. Uh, and and that's what we we didn't see from Damian. Damian's not really that great of a striker. He's more of a grappler. He takes you down and grinds you out, makes you tap out. He'll grind you for five rounds. Where Ben Askren, he uh, he'll he'll get in there and punch you around the face, and and make you realize, hey, this, I'm I'm fighting. And and as soon as soon as you open up those legs, he's taking you down and he's grinding you. Ben Askren is a great wrestler. And I think you're. I think I, I agree with you. I think he goes in. He becomes a UFC. He takes that title from Tyrone Ridley. It's interesting to look at some of these guys who've also fought like kind of comparison opponents with uh, Ben Askren because obviously we know Ben Askren's undefeated right now, and you know he's trying to knock on the door to the UFC. And I feel like the UFC is only going to offer him the opportunity to come fight at the Ultimate Fighter versus like getting into the UFC and like making a big name for himself. But a lot of the guys that he's fought, man, he's he's dominated. And like I said, we we already kind of mentioned Doug Lima, um, but if you look through like 
John Fitch's record, he fought Damian Maya, lost to Damian Maya, but we know that if Damian Maya was to ever fight uh, Ben Askren, Ben's winning that fight. So I don't, I don't. It's interesting to see where the UFC is and where they're going to be at and where they think they're at. And I just, I think they're, they really are missing an opportunity. Ben definitely could uh, let go of that title and then just move on to bigger and better things in the UFC. But I feel like Dana is just. He's trying to set examples that if you're going to call me out in my own my own world, I'm not going to sign you on, and that's that's sad. That's sad to see. Yep, I completely agree with you. So we're going to hope that Ben eventually gets signed to the UFC. Hopefully it's not too late. You know, he is 33 years old, so we don't know how much time he has actually left. You know, him being 17-0 and 0 right now is definitely beneficial for him because he can definitely say that, you know, Tyrone Woodley can never be called the best in the world if he's never fought him, right? So definitely going to hope for Ben to be pulled into that world and uh, into the UFC so he can start showcasing what he really does. So we're going to move on, man. We're going to talk about the main fight card for UFC 215 that is on Saturday, September 9th. So it's three days after my birthday. For some of you guys who want to shout out and give me a birthday wish, it will be on Wednesday, <laughs> September 6th. I will be turning 32. I am old as it gets. All right, so... Let's hop in. Yep. <laughs> Say that again. I said, yep, definitely. You got to give him a shout out. Um, this this fight card is going to be insane. Edmonton, California, uh, Edmonton, Canada is going to get rocked. And on that main card, I mean, there's fights even on the, on the prelim card that are at, appeasing. You got people like Sarah McMahon on the, on the, uh, on the, on the undercard, you got Henry Cajedo on the undercard, Wilson Reese, and let's jump into it, Cliff. Let's talk about this main card. Yeah, so, and one other person I want to touch on, too, you brought up Henry, you brought up Sarah McMahon, Ashley Evans-Smith. I don't know what it is about her. I've been kind of paying attention and just kind of seeing how she is and who she's going to be. She's definitely, um, even though she's coming off of a loss to uh, Catella, Catella, she's definitely a huge name in the fight world right now, so it's definitely going to be fun to see her get in. Um, she's kind of taken a couple losses to Pennington, but I'm kind of interested to see if she can bounce back. So she's definitely one of her, her name caught my eye and it's definitely something I've been kind of trying to pay attention to. So we'll see what she does. But this first fight, man, we definitely have to talk about it, right? So in the featherweight, featherweight uh, division, Jeremy Stevens is going to be fighting Gilbert Melendez. And I got to be honest, man, Jeremy Stevens is a beast. And I think that this will be the fight where we see Jeremy Stevens not only just showcase who he is or what he is, but... You know he, um, you know he is coming off of a two-loss win streak, but he's also had some pretty big-name wins. And of course, some of the guys that he has getting, gotten beat by Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, uh, Macchiano. So a lot of big, big-name guys. But he's also beaten a lot of big-name dudes too, as well as uh, you know Dennis Bermudez, uh, Darren Elkins, and even guys like Marcus Davis. So we'll have to see um, how he bounces back. He has 25 wins in the U in and the octagon, and, you know, he is definitely going up against a tough, tough Gilbert Melendez, who I think this is, like, one of his first fights back in the UFC since his suspension. And um, the last definitely. time we saw Gilbert Melendez fight was uh, July 23rd, 2016. So, yeah, it's been almost a full year. And in that in that fight, he uh, he took an L to Edson Barboza back on the 23rd. But he's also coming off a three-fight losing streak. Uh, from Anthony Pettis, Eddie Alvarez, and Edson Barboza. So definitely, definitely, someone's definitely going to end a losing streak, which is going to be good. And hopefully we can see if, um, even though 
Like, I have met Gilbert Melendez. He's a nice guy. I really am pulling for Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you on this. Uh, both these fighters were on losing streaks. Uh, the last time Jeremy Heath and Stevens won was in May of 2016 against Renan Barrow. And, like, you, you touched up on uh, Heath uh, Melendez losing three in a row to Edson, Eddie, and uh, Anthony Pettis. Last time he's won actually was in 2013 against uh, Diago Sanchez or Sanchez. Um, Jeremy Eden Stevens is, has lost five of the last seven, and uh, Gilbert is one and four in the UFC. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a good matchup. Both these guys like to strike. Uh, I'm going to go with you. I think uh, I am pulling for Jeremy Eden Stevens in this one. I absolutely love the guy, and I want to see him get the win. You know, one other thing that we got to touch on in this fight, too, which is definitely going to be kind of unique, is that, uh, so Jeremy's last fight um, in 2017, previous to that, he fought in November 2016, which doesn't say, like, a whole lot. It's not really that big. But when you listen to when last time Gilbert Melendez actually fought, Gilbert didn't fight. He fought in 2016, in July 23rd, 2016. Then before that, he fought July of 2015, or June 2015, December of 2014, and in October 2013. So he hasn't had a lot of... Had, a lot of uh, fights in the in the sports world, mm-hmm. in a sense. So it's definitely interesting to see that. Um, it's definitely definitely interesting to see if he can bounce back. But you know, if you only have one fight per year, it's definitely not something that's looking good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, so uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Um, it's it's it's. I was gonna say it's uh, it's definitely that's how El, little El Nino is. Uh, Gilbert Melendez, he. He only, he only likes to get one or two fights a year, where the UFC, which is weird because the UFC wants your fighters to get three fights a year, if not try to push for four. And uh, that's where you see Jeremy Heaton Stevens have a lot more fights under his belt because he was a lot active four or five years ago. And uh, and so it's going to be an interesting interesting to see. Both these guys are great fighters and. Uh, we're just going to see who has the better advantage in this fight. Yeah, so let's let's hop up one more fight, right? So we're going to have uh, Latif, Latifi versus Tyson Pedro. Uh, this is an interesting fight because Tyson Pedro currently is undefeated, as if I remember right. Yeah, 6-0. and uh, Last win back in March 4th of 2017 to Paul Craig. Prior to that, beating one of our favorite fighters, uh, Cahill Roundtree. So we're definitely looking to see a big name for that fight, but... Uh, Latifi is a definitely interesting uh, gentleman who's definitely going to be throwing a lot. He's uh, five knockouts, four submissions, three wins, 12-5 and five overall. But he is coming off of a loss to uh, Ryan Bader. So it'll, be, it'll definitely be huge. His last fight was September 3rd, 2016. So it'd be funny that it's almost a full year since we last saw him in the octagon. And we'll see what happens uh, with this fight. I'm definitely going to be pulling for... Uh, I'm definitely pulling for Tyson Pedro in this fight. I like him. I think he's a... A fast mover. I think I like his footwork. I like the fact that he likes to strike and he likes to end fights early. He doesn't. He doesn't wait for you to do what you want to do. He takes it to you. So we definitely have to look for that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, both these guys are, are well rounded, and uh, and they both have the hands and the heavy the, the heavier hands and. Uh, like you said, uh, Tyson Pedro likes to end fights early. Just looking at his uh, fight record, TKO, submission, uh, rear naked, uh, 
a submission, another submission, another submission, a guillotine, a KO, and these fights, not one has has passed the first round. Every fight that yeah, he has done is in the first round. Yeah, no, that's definitely huge, man. You're definitely right on point with that. Um, he is the guy that wants to end fights early. He does not want to play around. He's that's why I think you know I gotta kind of tip my hat to Tyson Pedro and say I think that's the guy who's gonna win it tonight. So. We're definitely going to be pulling for him on a – well, I'm going to be pulling for him on September 9th. Yep, definitely. I think uh, I I have to agree with you. Being in that light heavy that, that light heavyweight division, he's a, he's a box he has a boxing and the jiu-jitsu style. Um, I'm I'm actually gonna, I'm actually pulling for the Australian in this, and I hope to see uh, Tyson Pedro get the get the win. So I'm kind of curious to see about this next fight with you, man. So Neil Magny versus Rafael Dos Anjos. I'm kind of curious to see who you're going to take and where you're going to take them. So why don't you why don't you break it down for me? All right. So Neil Magny, who is 11 and 2 in the UFC, wins over Johnny Hendricks, uh, Hector Lombard. He's beat Eric Silva and Kevin Gaslam. Um, his only two losses were to Damian Maya and Lorenz Larkin <clears throat> versus Rafael Dos, Anto, Dos Anjos. And uh, his last fight, he beat. Uh, Tarek Sepedine and to to snap a two fight losing streak, um, one of them being Eddie Alvarez. I uh, he's got big wins. He's got big wins over Benson Henderson, Donald Cerrone twice, and uh, Anthony Pettis, and also Nate Diaz. Um, this is gonna be an interesting thing. I I'm not a big fan of of Dos Anjos. <laughs> And I, but the dude can strike. The dude is well rounded. But I, I just absolutely love Neil Magny. I love his his train of thought and how he trains. And I really think that Neil Magny is going to come out there and totally, uh, as long totally, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? The clip, um, totally dominate the fight uh, unless he gets one of those kicks to the ribs from Dos Anjos, who loves with those throw kicks. Um, I think Neil Magny dominates the fight and gets the win by a TKO. So it's, it's interesting that you take Neil Magny in this fight. And I only say this for one reason, right? So as much as I like to think that Neil Magny is probably going to win this fight, and I'm going to have to say he's probably going to win this fight, and it's, it's probably by decision. That's probably what the fight's going to be like. But I'm going to go opposite of you this time only because I'm going to take Rafael Dos Anjos because previous to us having this conversation, we were just talking about Ben Askren. Ben Askren and Dos Anjos both train at the same gym with Evolve MMA. I think uh, yep. you know, we're, we're looking at Neil Magny, who's definitely a tough competitor. He does like a lot of, like, does like to take the game, uh, game to the ground a lot. Uh, but that Teradic Sefadine win was definitely huge. Uh, you know, and with Dos Anjos, man, his last losses, you know, Kahib, who we can talk about possibly getting a title shot against Connor, Clay Guida, you mentioned Tony Ferguson as well as Eddie Alvarez. I think, I think Dos Anjos comes out with the win in this one. I'm going to have to lean towards him. I'm saying it's probably going to decision, but uh, I can't, knowing that he trains with Ben Askren and we're literally talking about getting Ben Askren into the UFC, I feel like if Dos Anjos doesn't win this fight, it does not open that door for Ben Askren. <laughs> I, I I get where you're coming from. I totally understand where you're coming from. I just think that uh that Neil Magny uh 
being 19 and 5, six knockouts, um, three submissions, and 10 decisions. And if you look at these fights, the the, the dude in his last uh, his last fight, he, the the notes on here, he's kind of he had a catch weight because Johnny Hendricks couldn't couldn't uh, make weight, so they had to go. They went they went five they went three rounds, and he got the decision win. Um, TKO against uh, Lorenz Larkin. He uh, he got caught with an elbow. Hector uh, Larnbar, he TKO'd with punches. Split decision win over Kevin Gaslam. Uh, split decision win over Eric Silva. Re- rear naked choke against uh, against uh, Damian Maya. I mean, TKO punches. you just looking at the thing. And he has one, two, three, four, four, four fight of the night or performance of the night. And uh and not to not to, not to only say that. Um in two thousand fourteen he tied a UFC record for the most wins in one calendar year in five with five uh wins in one year. I think Neil Magny is just a beast and I think this is where it's we're gonna find out if he can hang. I think if he wins this fight against uh Rafael Dos Anjos, I think this opens up a door for him to get a title fight. He's he's been on the edges and the cups, the cusp of uh, of getting a title fight, and I think with a dominant win over uh, Rafael, I think the UFC is going to give him a title fight. No, definitely. I mean, that was a definitely. It would, it would be huge if he does get this win. Yeah, it definitely puts himself in title contention. I definitely agree with that. Um, all right, so we're going to hop over into this next fight, man. This is a one of two championship fights if this fight takes place. Uh, Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shoshenko. Uh Yeah, definitely. If, Like you said, if this fight takes place, if the not-so-lioness shows up and doesn't and feels, and feels quote-unquote better the night of the fight and says, I want to fight. Um, definitely uh, just... Devastated. I was devastated because I was looking for this towards this fight three months ago or two months ago, and now we're gonna have it. You got Valentina Shevchenko, who is uh, won three out of four. Her last loss was to Amanda Nunez. She's beat Holly Holm and Juliana Pena, and you got Amanda Nunez, who who's won the last five wins over Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey. Uh, like I said, Valentina Shevchenko, Sarah McMahon, and Shanna Baszler. Her last loss was Kat Kat Zagano in UFC 178 in September 2014. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It will be. I I do think that Valentina uh, has gotten better since her last fight uh, against Amanda Nunez, and now Amanda Nunez is going to get to find out what it is really like to to fight against a counter striker. Valentina is now officially like a counter striker. She's way better on that uh on that spectrum. And I'm excited to see this fight if this happens. So you know what's funny, man, is I, um so who are you gonna take for this fight first? Let's let's talk about that. Okay, so as long as Amanda Nunez doesn't get that one that one punch that she did that she opened up Misha Tate, that she really rocked Ronda with I think that Valentina is going to counter strike her, to take her to the ground, and I am actually going to call it and say and new. I am going to call Valentina Shevchenko winning this fight via decision. 
So I'm going to have to agree with you too, man. I definitely 100%. Valentina is definitely going to win this, win this matchup uh, by decision. I think she's hungrier, especially after getting pushed back in the fight card from, you know, was it 213? She was supposed to fight on originally, and they pushed it back to 215. You know, I would just be pissed. As a fighter, I would just be pissed off. Like, I'm, I would be wanting to come in and just tear Amanda Nunes apart. You know, I remember watching their first fight, and this is where Amanda really caught my attention. Um, and I remember watching their first fight, and Valentina wasn't, it was blow for blow, and they were going pretty strong. I think Valentina won it because of a takedown. Um, I think that if uh, Valentina can keep the keep the fight on her feet, she's definitely winning. Amanda is definitely great with her hands, but unfortunately, she's only great with her hands. She doesn't really have like great kicks. And Valentina, being a multiple, um, she she definitely trains in multiple uh, aspects of not just boxing, but she also trains in Muay Thai as well as K1 boxing and then uh, and K1 kickboxing and Muay Thai. She's dominated people in all aspects. You know, she's only had one loss in uh, K1, and that was at uh, Kung Lung Fight 33 over in China. She lost by decision. But after that, man, she's just beating people up, and she's definitely looking – she looks solid. So watching her in the UFC, I'm not surprised. Uh, Liz Camacho, who's definitely a, a good – you know, it was, a, it was an illegal upkick that cost her that fight by Camacho, which caused a cut, and then eventually the doctor stoppage. But – Valentina's a tough chick. I think she's going to come out. Amanda Nunes uh, was definitely scared of her in the first round. Uh, and so now watching them come back in the second or come back for the second fight, you know, watching Amanda say she doesn't feel good, she backed out, you know, it was what it was. And so now I just think I think Valentina comes out hungry and she comes out with that victory, man. It's definitely going to happen. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I agree that uh, that that uh, not Amanda uh, Valentina is definitely more hungry right now, knowing that she had to wait for wait for that night because quote unquote Amanda didn't feel right, didn't feel good. Even though the doctor said nothing was wrong with her, she was able to she was ready to fight. Um, I think I think uh, Valentina is ready for this. I think that she's going to be hungry. She's going to want to come out there and show the world what she's got. Yep, definitely have to agree. So, finally, on the final card, uh, final fight of the night, man, we do have Demetrius Johnson, the Mighty Mouse, versus Ray Borg. And, uh, you know, for me personally, I'm looking at, I'm looking over overall, you know, it's something to be said, and I've kind of said this numerous times, that it's a shame that the UFC does not promote Demetrius Johnson as well as they promote other fighters, right? So we're talking about GSP coming back. GSP has a fight in three years, and now we're watching someone like Demetrius Johnson come in who's literally taking the world by storm, especially at the flyweight debut. You know, he's got wins over Ian McCall, Joseph Benavides, uh, John Morgana. Uh, he's being Benavides twice, actually. He's being Henry uh, Cujo, Tim Elliott, Wilson Rice. He's, just, he's beaten a lot of people, and, you know, he's definitely defended his title very well. It's 11 straight titles. All he has to do is show up. He breaks the record for uh, most title defenses, and if he wins, he wins for having most title most title wins. So it's definitely interesting to see that they're not talking about him more like they should be. But I definitely think that, you know, Ray Borg, as great of a fighter as he is, I just don't see him winning this fight against Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson is a great wrestler who goes down and just wants to counter people, put him in the positions, and then, you know, eventually end the fight. Whatever Dana wants to come out and say, like that, you know, that Demetrius is scared to fight, uh, TJ that he's trying to bully him into fighting TJ, whatever the case may be. 
TJ Dillashaw definitely deserved this, this championship fight. Ray Borg definitely having two fight wins at the flyweight division. With uh, If TJ wants to fight at the flyweight, you know, first we have to see him actually make weight at flyweight and then and battle and compete and win that fight. And then after that, yeah, definitely, I would definitely agree that he definitely deserves to fight uh, DJ. But right now, I just, I have to go with DJ in, in this fight, and then what's going to happen, he's going to get this win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with, with with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, he's he's 26-2. and two, and, and he's very active and... Uh, I mean, if you look look at look at if you look at it, he, he averages two fights a uh, two fights a year, and um, and with that being said, it's because the the uh, flyweight doesn't have that, as many fighters that could probably go toe to toe. You got you got uh, Henry Cajedo, you got John Dotson, you got Joseph Benavides a couple times, John Moraga. Um, who else do you have in this league? Uh, John Dotson, uh, Ian McCall. He's he's beaten everybody that you put up in front of him. You he, he got a, he got a draw against Ian McCall at USC on Fox in 2012. Right before that, he lost to Dominic Cruz by unanimous decision. But besides that, he's been on a tear, and now he's looking for his what, 11th title defense. Yeah, 11th and, title defense. Uh, I think that uh, I think you you don't have anybody that can can match up with him, and uh, I I thought at one point it would have been uh John Dawson. I thought John Dawson was going to be the guy to do it, and he showed that he wasn't good enough either. Um, I do think that this 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 uh fight is going to end early, and I think that uh Mighty Mouse is going to come out with a TKO win. You know, it's going to be interesting, too, because let's say he does win this fight, right? And he he wins this fight and he moves on, right? I, it'll be interesting to watch and see what the UFC says to him about, like, hey, uh, do you want to move up in a weight class and fight in the next weight up? You know, are you willing to fight someone like uh, Max Holloway? Are you willing to fight into the next bigger fight fight brackets? And I know I know he's going to say yes because DJ doesn't, he doesn't really back down from anybody. But it'd be interesting to see because you know last time he was in that division, you know he did lose to uh, Dominic Cruz. Then he dropped down a weight class and fought um, Ian McCall. Obviously, that was you know you you already mentioned it. It was a draw. He came back and avenged out, avenged out by decision, and then kind of went on a tear from there. But you know it's it's something to be said that he's definitely not afraid to fight anybody at any time. He definitely shows up when he needs to, and you know he's he's holding titles everywhere. So I definitely have to agree. I think DJ is going to come out with this win, and he's going to move on, and and you know we'll probably see him in the in the next bracket up. I uh, I, I think he wins this fight, and and that, that's where we agree. I disagree with you. I don't think he moves up in weight class. I think he stays right where he's at and he continues to defend his title until somebody dethrones him. I think that uh, I as as you said that he's not afraid to fight anybody. But yet, I understand the whole TJ thing. Um, but money that that payday could have been a lot better than what he's going to get with Ray Borg. And I I think that uh, with him and Dana White's beef with Dana White trying to bully him to fight make this fight, I think that TJ's done enough in the UFC that he if he drops down, he should have got that title fight. Granted, he's never fighting. Granted, he's never made weight. Granted, he's 
grant, granted all uh, that he uh, just lost his his title on the other side um, to Cody Garbrandt. I think that uh, I think that TJ stays at that weight class because I don't know if he can actually com- com- completely uh, step up to the next div- weight division and complete like he does where he's at now. Well, let's just say this, right? Let's, and it's 11 right now that he has 11. He has the most fight wins in a division for flyweights at 11 with the longest win streak at 11. So let's say this then. Let's say he wins this fight, right? And Dana tells him, hey, if you, if you move up the weight class, you instantly get a title shot against Cody Garbrandt or TJ Dillashaw, depending on who wins that fight. Do you jump up and take that weight class? Or do you just say no and you just stay where you're at? That might be the one key thing. Is if he immediately gets a a title shot, which, by the way, he should not get because he just told TJ, you need to fight down here before you get a title shot with me. Granted, yes, I understand that he was in that weight class prior to moving down to flyweight, um, but that's pretty much calling the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, if if you're gonna, if you're not gonna allow TJ to go down there and get a title fight on your weight class, what makes you think that you should be able to bump up immediately get a get a uh, title fight in that weight class where it's it's a lot different from when you were first in that in that weight division? Um, I just think that uh, I just think that uh, he stays where he's at unless he gets a title fight to, uh, for that chance to become a two division champion, kind of like Connor. That'd be the only way I think De- uh, uh, Demetrius goes up a class. Well, and let's be honest, man. Conor McGregor, uh, he held the 145 title and then fought for the 155 title and won that title. You know, so I think in that same aspect, Conor never Conor didn't switch over to 155, did he? I think he just stayed on 145, and then they told him he could fight for the 155 title, and then he took it. So I think in the same yep. aspect, you could do the same thing with with uh, DJ. You can tell him, hey, look, I know you're the champion right now of this weight class, but you can fight for a title shot at this. And even at that, his last title, his last fight at one uh, at was at 135. He was fighting Dominic Cruz, and Dominic Cruz was the champion at that time. And so he was in a title shot. Obviously, Dominic Cruz got beat by you know Cody Garbrandt now, but you could definitely put. DJ back in there and be like, hey, you know what? You could be this next guy. And I, I think that's the way you go too, man. You tell you tell DJ like, hey, we know you're the king of the flyweights. Let's move you up to let's move you up to the bantamweight and let's see what you can do and let's see let's see you fight Cody Garbrandt or let's see you fight TJ Dillashaw depending on who it is. And in that same aspect, if TJ Dillashaw does win this fight at UFC two two seventeen, you definitely push that fight if you're Dana. TJ Dillashaw versus DJ. For this title at 135 at UFC, whatever, 221, 222, it doesn't matter. You get these two guys fighting in an octagon. It's the best of the flyweights versus the current uh, bantamweight champion, and they're fighting it out in this at this arena, right? So I definitely think you definitely throw DJ that shot because now DJ versus TJ makes sense, whereas TJ never fought in, in his weight class. DJ has fought in, in the bantamweight class. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I understand I understand where you come from, but that's the only way uh, that TJ or uh, DJ moves up is if he gets that immediately title shot. Why would he? Uh, 
it makes no sense for him to vacate his title down down at at flyweight if uh if if to just move up and have to uh have to earn his have to fight up to get to uh the, the championship against Cody Garbrandt or TJ Dillashaw. The Demetrius Demetrius Johnson's a very very smart man and uh and I think him knowing that he's going to get a better pay staying down at flyweight unless he gets that title shot immediately, which, yeah, of course, that would be a better pay if he immediately goes up against uh, the the 135 champion, whoever it's going to be, if it's going to be Cody Garbrandt or TJ Doshaw. Um, I think he's smart enough to know that he needs to stay in that flyweight and keep racking up those wins, keep racking up that streak, become – which we already call him one of the best pound for pound and one of the the best greatest UFC fighters we've ever seen. I think he just completely starts piling on more wins in that division, which will which will make him pretty much untouchable anytime soon with the UFC. No, and I definitely agree with you too, man. That definitely makes sense. Well, I definitely would like to see him go up and fight for another title, especially at the 135. He may end up having to vacate the 125 title, but I think if he gets that 135 title 20, uh, title shot, it definitely it'd be cool to see a champion versus champion again, just kind of like we saw before. And even for like Cody Garbrandt or TJ Dillashaw, if they win at UFC 217, it would be cool to see a fight between them and Max Holloway at 145. And then you know eventually if that's not the case, and we want to see Max Holloway versus Conor McGregor. I like to see that fight go down, for me personally, at 155. Or even if you do a catchweight at 150 between the two champions, it would be something that would be fun to watch. I agree with you. So let's go on, man. So that's our fight card, and, you know, we've kind of wrapped up on our uh, our sides. I want to talk about something that Anthony and I have very special to our heart. Uh, we're just going to touch on it for real quick. We're not really going to get too deep into it, but... Both Anthony and I are from Nebraska, which definitely means that our our favorite and our top love is other than MMA would be the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And last night we watched them play against Arkansas State, um, and you know Nebraska came out with a victory, 43-36 overall uh, in that fight or in that fight in that uh, game. So it was definitely fun to watch uh, uh, college football coming back. There's a lot of huge upsets, especially with like Maryland beating Texas, but. Uh, it's it's just cool to see college football be back. You know, it's been a long time. Yeah, definitely. We uh, last night we were, we were messaging each other about about the the Huskers and uh, they took on a tough Arkansas State team who has won five straight Sun Belt titles. They're they're no uh, they're no pushover, and they showed it. They showed they showed that they can pass. And it was extremely good to finally see Tanner Lee. And his arm, and his arm showcased. I absolutely loved it. We also got to see uh, Trey Bryant show what he can do on the ground. He had over 30 carries last night, and he almost got to 200 yards rushing. I'm super excited to see this. Um, Husker football is back, and I cannot wait to touch up on it. Yeah, so uh give you guys an idea, too. Uh, we are definitely talking about launching off uh, your sports therapy. So if you guys follow us on the blog, for your sports therapy this week, unfortunately, there's not going to be one. Forget the KO, but we're and if even if I do launch one, uh, an article, forget the KO, it's probably going to be about kind of what we talked about earlier today about the heels of the UFC and the lackluster uh, people who are show showing up. 
but uh, we definitely uh, are going to start launching our broadcast for your sports therapy. So we may be launching that either soon or it's going to be kind of further down the road. We're just we're just trying to decide when the best time and place to launch it. But you're going to catch us there. We'll be talking about pro football. Uh, college football, baseball, basketball. We're going to be talking about all sorts of crazy stuff. So I want to give you guys kind of a small preview uh, of what you guys can expect to come forward. Yep, definitely. Uh, um, of course, we're going to try to kind of stay away from the, 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 the combative sports of it. I mean, we'll probably touch up on it a little bit, but we want to dedicate combative sports to this podcast, being get the KO. Um, like you said, we're, we will touch up on pretty much everything that we can, our favorite sports, what's going on in the world right now in the sports industry. And uh, definitely, we definitely will be seeing that soon. Yeah, so the way we're going to end the show is the same way we end the show every single time. Uh, currently, right now, I'm actually wearing my Team 22 t-shirt. Uh, you know, we always talk about bringing up uh, suicide awareness, especially punks, our, our military men and women. Uh, it's just it's sad to see that even if we're down from 22 to 20 lives, uh, we want to make sure that we keep knocking it down further. We eventually want it to be zero. Uh, and, you know, our hearts go out with our military veterans as well as the men and women of the armed services and, you know, first responders. We just we, we think about you guys. We pray about you guys. We want you guys to come home safe. We think about you for those who are worldwide, all around the world, even home front. We just think about you guys all the time. We want you guys to know that we're always available to talk to. Yep, definitely. Um, like you touched up on it, you, you're wearing your shirt right now. I'm currently not wearing this shirt that I normally wear for the podcast. Um, definitely, we, we always open our hearts out and to the veterans, to the military, to the first responders. But we also open up our hearts to our friends, the family, the people that are even listening to this podcast. Uh, if you ever need us, want to talk to us, have something on, on your chest that you want to get off, you always reach out to us. Um, my My Snapchat is... And Twitter are both the same, A Luhan1985. You can catch me on Instagram at my first and last name in the year I was born, which will be Anthony Luhan1985. I do want to touch up on uh, who I do support and what organizations I do uh, often donate to, and that's I Got Your Six and Mission 22, Hopes for Warriors, USO, Wounded Warrior Project, Puppies Behind Bars, and Soldiers Angels. Um, definitely something that always weighs on our hearts that me and Cliff both are veterans and we also uh and so we also uh pour our hearts into everything that we do and if you ever need a talk do not do not hesitate to reach out to us. We are always willing to be there for anybody. Yeah, and, and with that being said, you know, we don't only want to talk about the military veterans, but our hearts go out to everybody in Houston right now. We understand that you guys are still rebuilding, you guys are coming back. You know, so hopefully we'll see Houston come back bigger, stronger, better than, uh, you know, what Hurricane Harvey left it in. I know uh, we have a lot of other, like, big storms coming our ways with Hurricane uh, Ima, Ima uh, heading towards the East Coast. So we're definitely out here praying for you guys and hoping that you guys um, are safe. Uh, and, you know, especially we want we want to make sure that the first responders uh, that are out helping with um with the recovery of Houston, you know, that they're safe as well and that they're helping uh, save lives as well because it's definitely one thing to have to deal with a hurricane but then have to deal with the aftermath and, you know, especially finding out, like, a couple people who, you know, I heard a story about one guy who was being electrocuted in water and he told the first responders not to touch him because he knew, like, he was going to eventually go because he was stuck in the water, he was being electrocuted, and he was trying to save lives. 
uh, by doing that. And it's it's just sad to see that that's something that happens. And I want you guys just to remember, be safe out there, guys, uh, and, and check, double-check, and recheck everything. And we want you guys to all come back home safe. Yep, definitely. Let's go ahead and toss out your information out there. Yeah, so if you guys want me, you guys catch me on Snapchat, Twitter, or even Instagram. It's all the same, CM underscore Miller 85. You guys can find me there. Uh, you guys want to reach out to me on Facebook, you guys definitely can. I'm always readily available, um, and you and I'm very, very talkative, so if you guys want to talk with me, I will definitely respond. Awesome. And then, so guys, this is how we're going to end this tonight, so we will definitely catch you guys next week. We're going to be covering uh, UFC 215. We're going to talk about the results for that. We're also going to get ready for UFC 216, as well as other fight night cards that are coming up. And we're also going to be talking about the Triple G versus Canelo boxing match that's coming up. Huge, huge fights. We definitely appreciate you guys listening in to us. Anthony, you got anything else you want to say? I do not. Um, thank you for, for all of our supporters who have been listening to us. I do know I have a couple friends that always share, share my link when I post it on Facebook or share it on, on, on Twitter and Snapchat. Um, just a shout-out to all you guys that, are, that are, have listened to us over the last month and a half that we've been doing this. And I from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Yeah, we definitely want to say thank you to our supporters out there. We just want to let you guys know that we're always thinking about you guys, that you guys are letting us kind of be in your ear for a little bit. Uh, today's broadcast kind of went a little longer than what it normally does, but it's okay. That's the way we do things here at Get the KO. So we're going to end this with our typical sayings. So good fight and good night. Peace.